0: Well, Jen, you remember those days back in college? I do remember those days. Well, there are a few of them, sure, that we can we can reminisce about. But specifically, we didn't run it together, but we both ran the LA Marathon.
1: We did. I ran it before you, and here's what I remember: the year after I ran it, they changed the course and made it easier. Oh, and less of hilly. course,
0: right? Yeah, and that's what you're going to say that I did. Yes. I did run it the next year and the year after. I ran it twice, so doubly better.
1: Definitely not. One and done. That's all you need for a marathon, in my opinion.
0: Anyway, when running the marathon, one of the things I remember most, especially about the last two miles of the first one I ran, is that I really just needed to keep moving towards the finish line.
1: Amen.
0: Any bit of progress was good progress.
1: Yes. When I ran, I just remember I had to poop at the very beginning, not not the beginning <laughs> of the marathon, but right before it started. And, you know, I'm paranoid because I don't want to have to poop during the marathon. So if you've ever been to a running event, you know, they have the porta potties lined up. There are lots of lines, mostly women. And so I was like, oh, I got to go before the race starts. And so I did. I was successful at that. Yay. Yay. But then I lost my group that I had been training with, and I was all alone. I was all alone for 24 miles, I think, and I didn't know if I was behind my group. I didn't know if I was ahead of my group. I knew nothing. So I ran 24 miles completely alone, and then I caught up to these two girls that I trained with, and that was exciting but then at that point, for me, I remember thinking, okay, I I need to be done. I need to be done. Let's face <laughs> it, I was going at a very slow pace at that point, but I was slightly faster than those girls. And so I said hi and basically just kind of kept going. You just blew right
0: by about I 10 minute say mile blue. thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so slow there at the end. Um but a little bit faster than they were going. So anyway, I basically said hi to them and went along my merry way and ran the rest of it alone as well. And that was my experience.
0: Yeah, my first marathon, I did really well for 24 miles. And then I hit that proverbial wall.
1: At the 24 mile mark?
0: I stretched my calves and never ran again. I walked the last two miles in 45 minutes. That is
1: so sad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man.
0: And I tried to run the last 200 meters or whatever, when I see you know thousands of people on the sides. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. I could barely move.
1: Barely so move. Everyone's like, come on, you could do it. You're like, I really can't.
0: And then the next time I did, I was able to sprint the finish or sprint. Like, you know, whatever. Sprint, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. moving at eight-minute mile yeah. pace, and I think that was a sprint. And uh, as I was crossing the finish line, I was not containing anything in my stomach anymore.
1: Gross.
0: That's the picture. Yeah, so that's how I crossed the line.
1: Just like turning your head and barfing?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I trained pretty well for the marathon, so I was pretty consistent 10-minute mile pace through the whole thing. I didn't have to stop. I didn't have to stop and pee or poop or anything during the race, so that was kind of crazy for me because I pee a lot. That's four hours. I know, four hours and 23 minutes.
0: Anyway, this all boils down to one topic that we want to talk about today, and it's progress. We are Red Mother Christians. I'm Steve.
1: And I'm Jen.
0: We're here working through what drives, motivates, and inspires us to act.
1: Whether it's a career, a religion, a family, a marathon, does it even make us happy?
0: know the marathon is something i would say
1: makes us happy
0: no no definitely not it
1: makes me happy thinking that i did it knowing that i did it i accomplished that
0: right that and that's kind of where we were like let's do this
1: check it off the list and never do it again that was my thinking
0: yeah and and i think that's okay that's progress in life you've done something and you can move on never having that obstacle in your way again right but what is progress What is success? What do we consider good in either of those realms?
1: Yeah, and I think when you hear the word success, it's a word that we all want to experience in life. Probably most of us associate the word success with the word happiness. So of course, this is something that we wanted to talk about today, the idea of progression, maybe leading to success and maybe not, and how to come to terms with that.
0: So we like to do some introspection and we look at our own podcast. We recognize we are at least 10 years late to the podcast game.
1: Oh, definitely. We're so late.
0: But 10 years ago, it would have been completely different.
1: Totally different. It's crazy how much we've changed in 10 years. And I'd like to think that that change... Is progress. I'd like to think. I would like (laughs) to think that, yes.
0: (laughs) But at the same time, we recognize that not all progress looks like you're moving forwards.
1: That is the darn truth. I always tried to talk with my students about what that looked like. Because think about when you were in high school, you just wanted to get your good grades, right? You just wanted to have the good GPA to get into the good college. Or just get to the next grade. True. (laughs) Uh, amen. So uh, for them, it's like, just tell me what I need to do. Just spell out what I need to do. I will do those things to get the grade that I need, to get the grade that I want. And Steve and I are like, okay, but listen, part of this is we have to let you figure it out, and we have to let you make some mistakes to be able to progress. And no teenager likes that. Uh, not many adults like that either. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to look the fool. But uh, unfortunately, I think it is necessary in in life.
0: Right. And for us, if you listen to the three episodes that we started with, they were low quality sound.
1: Oh, so bad. So bad. Of season one. Right. We were just sitting out at like the dining room table. <laughs> um, now we're in the closet using a mattress as a barrier on one end. So it's better now. And we have an actual microphone now. Right. We were using one of our phones, I think, for the longest time. Yeah.
0: And we tried to add a microphone, like we mentioned last episode, and we realized that that addition was actually a hindrance.
1: Well, it was taking away from the quality. We thought it was going to be better. Oh, we have two mics. But with the setup and there being USB mics and yada yada, it was bad. So
0: we're still here. We feel like we've made progress, even though there have been bumps along the way. Yeah, definitely. Another thing that impedes our progress on the podcast is we're not both retired yet at the same time to put more effort into this.
1: Yeah, we are just doing what we can do. And thank you to the listeners for hanging out with us. We're trying to do the best we can on limited time with three kids.
0: So let's move out of necessarily our specific podcast role, but a little bit of our journey of progress.
1: Right. When I was thinking about this episode and wondering, well, what are we going to talk about? The idea kept coming back to me of pouring out your progress to be able to progress. And of course, I think of when we decided to up and move to another country where people spoke a language that we hardly spoke. And that idea of pouring out the progress that we had made in our lovely life that we had built for ourselves in Florida and moving to Ecuador and feeling like we were starting again almost at like square one.
0: Right. And the progress to build on our language skills or our kids' language skills or just our perspective of the world was hinging upon our letting go of the progress we had made
1: And that was really difficult. Um, Luckily, I think we were in a place in life where we were just really ready for a change. And so that worked well for us. But otherwise, the thought of starting all over again, moving all our stuff, (laughs) yuck, but starting all over again, making all new friends, finding a new community, all in a country where we barely spoke the language, that was difficult. And I pride myself in being able to communicate well with people, using words to communicate with people, whether it's written or verbal. And now I feel like I am at a kindergarten level of all of that, (laughs) basically.
0: that's where we're at.
1: And I mean, quick story here for me, I was um, at the doctor's office last week for an appointment and I did not have enough cash to pay for my appointment because I normally in those circumstances am able to use a card, a credit card. But because it was under $20, they're like, you can't use a card if it's under $20. And so I think I had $14 and it was like 17 or something. And so the lady... Um, And she, listen, she's just doing her job. She's like, oh my gosh, she has to deal with this foreigner who does not speak very good Spanish. And she's trying to tell me, she keeps using the the verb cancelar. And, you know, that verb in English, to cancel, it was just very confusing to me. Because she was talking about these tests, these blood tests that I needed to go downstairs and go do right then and there. And she kept saying, like, cancelar, cancelar. And she wasn't talking about canceling the tests, of course. She was talking about, like, making a full payment for those tests because that's what it also means in Spanish (laughs) is to, like, pay in full. And so I was so confused and distraught. I was already stressed out having to go to the doctor's appointment anyway. Yeah, I just started crying lots of tears. (laughs) I was not there. I was alone. And this other lady who was standing there just observing was bilingual. Thank goodness for her. And she was able to kind of explain like, hey, here's what's going on. And um, I'll spot you the couple of bucks that you need. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Let me get your number, pay you back. She's like, please. It's $3 or whatever it was. She's like, I it's, I got it. It's fine. You just go on your way. And I was like, OK, I'll pay it forward. I promise but goodness gracious, there's my story. <laughs> right. And the stories that we're talking about don't have
0: to be so physical in nature, as in you don't have to physically move yourself out of a nice situation you've got and go into almost nothing. It can also be mental. Imagine yourself, you're stuck in a mental state of being that you keep thinking the same ways, you get stuck in that rut, but you need to get out. How do you make progress if you're Still thinking the same way over and over and over and over and over again.
1: Well, I don't know where you're going with this exactly, but what I think about when you're saying all this is we all know them, those teachers who have been teaching for decades, and they're just stuck in the same teaching methods that they've been using since they were in their 20s, which at this point is decades ago or whatever, you know? And I know I had those kinds of teachers. I'm sure you did too, Steve. Um... I'm sure we've had colleagues that have been a little bit like that, and we so badly want to just kind of like shake their shoulders and tell them like, just make some changes. You'll be a better teacher. Your students will appreciate you, but they've gotten to a point where they think that because they've done it so long, they know what is the right method, and they don't need to change because... They've been in the game so long that they've earned that or something weird.
0: Yeah. And so mentally, you want to make sure there's room in your head, in your mental state for progress. Don't box it in. Don't get stuck there. And don't say, I've made it.
1: I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's just worth mentioning again. I I heard this phrase at some point, and it just said, never be the smartest person in the room. And it really stuck with me. And I think it's really important when you feel like I am smarter than maybe you actually are smarter than everyone in the room. That's a problem. Get out of there so that you can be around other people that challenge you. But on kind of a flip side of that, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, that can also be trouble too, because you might not be. So kind of seeing it both of those ways. Yeah.
0: I think that's that's important. It doesn't take moving out of a country and uprooting your life to do those types of things and make room for progress in your mental state.
1: Although I would definitely recommend uprooting your life and moving to another country, I'm only half joking. It's <laughs> well... been it's been so good for us. It's been challenging and I think that's what we're talking about here. Sometimes you have to do something uncomfortable to challenge yourself to be able to progress in life.
0: Right. And speaking of that, we do want to address some things that we don't think progress is.
1: Yes. And and these are the kinds of things that it seems like a lot of people, a lot of Americans, United Statesians think are good and signs of progress. The first one is this feeling of urgency feeling like you have to have a sense of urgency in your job at all times. And I think that's dumb. <laughs> but but it makes me think of this little booklet. I'm sure you can find a PDF of it online. It's called Tyranny of the Urgent by Charles Hummel. And gosh, it's like a 20-minute read or something. And I would recommend it for everyone who has a pulse And it talks about how we get caught up in doing all these little things that seem like they are the urgent things to do. And then we lose sight of the most important things in life. I can't help but think of stinking email, right? It like sucks your time because you think something in your brain lies to you and tells you, oh, I just got this email and I need to respond to it right now. So I'm going to stop <laughs> doing this other thing that I'm doing to respond to this little tiny email. Could
0: be a different message. Doesn't have to be just an email.
1: Right. But that's, that's the idea of losing sight of the most important things because you're so caught up in the seemingly urgent things that are like right in front of your face. Sometimes you have to just say, No, I'm not dealing with that right now. I have to do this other thing in life that is more important. And, you know, you're going to make some people mad probably doing that. You might make your employer mad, but it's a matter of your quality of life. And if you get caught up in doing all these little things that seem urgent and then you're not able to do the most important things, you lose that time. That's your life, man. Gone.
0: Gone. And with the tyranny of urgency comes with it a glorification of busy. That if we're busy with something, then our life has purpose or meaning or like we actually have something to do.
1: Yeah. And that we are progressing because we are able to maybe start in the morning and make ourselves a lovely to-do list and like check off all the things. But what if you're putting too many things on that list just because you think that's how you're supposed to live your life? Somebody has told you that at some point. And Steve and I want to just tell you that it's a lie. It's a lie. You don't have to be busy to be able to progress in life.
0: And a wonderful story from Frog and Toad.
1: I love Frog and Toad.
0: Toad has a to-do list. And he's crossing things off, and then he loses the to-do list in the wind, and he freaks out, and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have anything to check it off. But all the while, he's with his friend, Frog, and that's the best part of his day, is just being with his friend.
1: Is that the story where they just sit and do nothing together?
0: Yes, and then they fall asleep.
1: It's so sweet. It's just this lovely little picture of the two of them sitting like on a rock or something, and... It says something like, so they just sat and did nothing together. I love it so much.
0: (laughs) That's sometimes what we would do. Yes.
1: You mean you and me?
0: Yes. We're frog and toad in that story. Love it. You would probably be making the to-do list.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I need to settle down on that a little bit.
0: But that's not progress. Being busy is not progress. Now, you might be busy and still progress in life. But don't focus on the being busy part.
1: And another thing about being busy is that we busy ourselves to the point where we are not able to have the time to introspect and ask ourselves the big questions. Am I happy in life? Am I finding joy in this life that I'm living? And sometimes I think being busy is a defense mechanism. Or a distraction. And we don't want to think about our lives. We want to just keep kind of bouncing along from one thing to another. And I think sometimes parents, we use our kids as an excuse for this too. And it's not an excuse. It's not. I know you want to enroll them in all the things, but it is important to have downtime of nothing planned. For them. For them and for you. (laughs) be bored sometimes. I mean, studies show that it is important, really important for kids to be bored sometimes because it forces them to be creative in thinking what they're going to do with their time. But it's for adults too. And we need time to be able to think about life. Don't be afraid of it. And if you are afraid of it, even more reason to do it. And if you feel like, oh my gosh, I just have these demons and I can't face them. Find yourself a good therapist. Find somebody that you can talk to. You got to deal with it. This is the life that you have and you got to deal with these things and you're going to be happier that you do.
0: So another thing that we are trying to learn as humans and as parents is that progress is not doing everything yourself. Just because you can be the one who does all the laundry or all the dishes or all the meals doesn't mean that that's a good thing or that that's progress in any given day.
1: Well, there's this thing called mom guilt, um, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom. No dad guilt here. Uh, yeah, no, you never experience this, I don't <laughs> think. Where it's like, I'm the stay-at-home parent right now in our lives. So maybe I slip into this trap of feeling like, well, that means I have to do 95% of the housework because I'm the stay-at-home parent. And it if you were to really delineate all the tasks, both at, you know, Steve teaching full-time and me being at home full-time, it doesn't balance. 95% of the housework going to one person even if the other person is working full-time, is still not really in the middle as far as, you know, if you want to think of it being fair, delegating responsibility or whatever. So don't fall into that trap, parents. I feel like this is more of a mom thing, but but maybe maybe not. But specifically
0: regarding progress, it's not progress if you're doing everything yourself and your kids are not doing things. Progress is having your kids learn to do these things. Or, in some cases, having your spouse learn to do these things. Have we ever made progress with you taking out the garbage?
1: Um, <laughs> wow, putting me on the spot here. No, I, I don't think I've ever taken out the garbage unless Steve was physically gone for a week. Like at Young Life Camp or something, I would drag the garbage out.
0: And we might have mentioned that before, and that's fine. It's, it's totally fine. I'm just saying that for our kids, we want them to do things around the house to, I mean, soon enough, start doing their own laundry.
1: Yeah. Our 10-year-old, already... our 10-year-old has started to do his own laundry. And our 7-year-old will bring his clothes to the laundry room and he'll fold and put away his clothes. Most of the time. So we're taking steps.
0: Right. And then in food preparation, we have them help cut things, simple things, strawberries.
1: Simple things where they could slice a finger off, you know.
0: Right. The simple things. But also how not to slice a finger off.
1: That's important. Right, right, right.
0: If you cut yourself but your finger's still attached, yeah. that's a win.
1: Also, we, we <laughs> make them clean everything up um, every evening before they're allowed to like watch anything on um, Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. We're watching Mandalorian currently, so...
0: In Spanish.
1: Yes. It's actually been very helpful for Steve and me. (laughs) We keep talking about that. We're like, oh, man, we're learning new things. Like, (laughs) "Cobreme," No tan rápido. (laughs) Me copia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway, anyway. So having your kids do things is great because it it does empower them to realize, like, hey, I can do this for myself. Um, But also it's instilling good habits. The thing that's tough, one of the things that's tough for us parents, is that it's slow. <laughs> oh, so gosh. slow. I could pick up the whole entire house of like whatever toys they've strewn in 10 minutes and it takes them 45 and they're all working together. And when you say working together,
0: mostly playing with the toys. While right. They're well, that's why it takes
1: so long. But so I mean, just as an encouragement to everybody listening to just have patience in those things, and this isn't just parents to kids. This is like teachers to students, um, managers to your underlings, all, all kinds of ways to apply this concept. But you gotta let your people do some things. Or even like administrators to teachers and and the idea of delegating and saying like, listen, I'm not doing this. You are. And I trust that you're going to do a good job. And I'm not going to micromanage it.
0: Right. That's important. I was going to add, you know, some of our focus so far has been about parents and kids. And yet, if you're single and you're like, I don't have anyone else to delegate to. Don't think of it just as in the home. Don't think of it just as at work. Because maybe at work you're the lowest rung of the ladder and there's no one below you to delegate to what we're saying is progress is not doing everything yourself doing lots of things yourself can be progress but don't consider yourself having made it because you can do everything yourself it's actually a really cool thing and almost innate in human nature to be social and to need other people in your life
1: and also when you are the underling in a company and you are doing what you do really well, but you're not doing everything, I h- would hope that you would have the kind of boss that would recognize, hey, this person respects themselves enough to do the things that they do well and not feel like they have to do everything. And you, I do think you have to show your boss that and not communicate to your boss, like, oh, whatever you put on my plate, I can do it. Because that is not setting up a healthy work environment for yourself. And it is giving others the wrong expectation of you. So don't fall into
0: that trap. Right. And now we want to go back to the idea of success within the term progress. Can you have one without the other? Could you just be successful without having made any progress in your life? I think Yes. But that is by sheer luck or privilege that that happens. Could you have success without progress if you're actually working for something? No. But you don't always get to the success without those little bits of progress. And you want to celebrate those little bits of progress along the way.
1: I think it's important in life to recognize, even if it is just something little, any kind of progression, because that it's your life and it's a little bit of happiness that you can celebrate. Because if you're only looking towards some big, one lofty goal of however you define success, well, A, it might not come for a long, long time. And two, you you might get there And have this very short lived moment of like, I did it. And then, like we talked about on episode one, kind of ask yourself, okay, what's next? And possibly even have a little bit of disillusionment when you get to that point, whatever it is, of success.
0: And if you're to define yourself with success as completing that thing, we're gonna go back to the marathon. When I ran the marathon, there were plenty of people faster than I, and they didn't finish. Why didn't they finish? Because the officials saw that they had too much salt deposits on them by mile 12. And they said, you're dehydrated. You should not. And we're not going to let you finish this. They got pulled from the race. They were like six-minute mile pace. That's crazy fast. And they could have finished it. And so you want to look at some things like that. They made progress towards their goal. And they failed.
1: Well... Apply that idea to your life, wherever you are right now. Are you running at a six-minute mile pace, but it's not sustainable? Are you getting those salt deposits? Are you going to have to get pulled? Or are you running at a pace that you can stay at until you reach, you know, the end? And even though someone like that failed at the marathon, like finishing the
0: marathon, their goal might not have been finishing the marathon. Their, Their goal might have been finishing at a certain time. And they couldn't do it and still be alive. So in that way, even though they got pulled from the race, they made progress in life. They knew that their training up to that point or that day, it wasn't going to happen. And they can try again another day, but it wasn't going to happen then. And we're going to bring up a maze analogy. If you've ever watched kids do mazes, especially on-age mazes, oh, it's rough.
1: Again, it's one of those things where it's hard for the parent to watch. It's almost like, just look away. Look away! Because you want to be like, look, it's just right there. Like, you just draw the line and you get to the end. And
0: it's easy for some of us in some other cases where we see the solution to the maze already. We, we've got the overhead view. But if you're in the maze and you don't get the overhead view and you hit a dead end, what do you do? How do you make progress after you hit
1: a dead end? Yeah, I think we hit dead ends in life. And we, we want to tell ourselves that I've failed Clearly, it's a dead end. I've failed. I can't go farther. I've made a mistake somewhere. And it is a bad thing. But what we want you to realize is that when you hit a dead end, you don't stop. Well... I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's stop and take a dump. Beca- I say that because we were at a maze um, near Mackinac Island this summer in Michigan. And- it's the
0: mystery spot in St. Ignace.
1: Yeah. It's uh, mild entertainment at best. Anyway, we did get to one dead end and there was a pile of what looked to be human poop. So, okay, maybe you take a break when you get to the dead end. Okay, maybe you do.
0: You relieve yourself.
1: Sure, sure. Gross. But you (laughs) then you turn around and you go a different direction. And that is progress because now, you know, not to go that direction. So you can eliminate that from the list of possibilities of where to go. So it is progress, even if you hit a dead end.
0: And keep in mind that comparison is often the worst thing we can do in life especially if we're comparing to someone who thinks think is an equal and they're somehow better than we are, they've gotten farther, they've achieved more. Think about the maze. If you complete the maze, you've done the job. You don't compare yourself to someone who just got lucky and didn't hit any walls or dead ends. That's ridiculous. They just made a different choice at that intersection than you did.
1: Or, or to stretch this analogy a little bit, maybe they had some kind of help within the maze of privilege or generational wealth or something like that. Helping guide them on their path.
0: Or just lifting them out of the maze entirely.
1: (laughs) Yeah, plopping them at the the finish. Helicopter! Here you go! I mean,
0: so many things you can draw into this. But the idea is that dead ends aren't necessarily evil. Failure is not really that bad. It actually can be a sign of what doesn't work, which can be just as helpful as what does work.
1: Well, it shows us a different direction to go. Right. So coming full circle on this episode, we would love for you guys to recognize the little victories or little bits of progress, see that they can lead to happiness before you even maybe get to that point of success and and realizing too that even when you get to that point, you may simply need to get somewhere else after that.
0: And if you're actually in the race of life, There will be people, like in the marathon, cheering you along at every mile, and they might not even see you finish.
1: We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Steve. I'm Jen.
0: We hope you'll feel empowered to question the rules you follow,
1: fear mediocrity,
0: and keep the conversation going.
1: Hey, 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 everybody you are enjoying Red Weather Christians, would you share it on social media? We'd love to reach more people to open up the conversation even more. Have a good one.